This is probably going to be three or four weeks. And um, how many of you all like reality TV? Anybody like? How many of y'all don't like it? You don't like it. All right. So I, I have to admit, um, and hopefully I won't, I won't lose my, my Baptist preacher card. Uh, there is one. Uh, but I, I, like, I like some reality TV. I, I mean, uh, there's some I don't care for at all, okay? Um, but there's some I like. Sally and I have watched Survivor for a long time, so we, you know, it's kind of a thing we like to do. Uh, we also like to watch movies and other things together, but we like, we, we like that show. We've always have. Uh, we like The Amazing Race uh, as well. Um, there's others that we, we don't like so much. We've watched Big Brother a couple times, and I'm not a fan, a huge fan of it, and so uh, we don't really watch that anymore. It's so addictive because you watch one and you just want to keep watching it, and, and so we didn't even watch this year's, this season. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to be kind of looking at that. And The Bachelor, Bachelorette, uh, I don't think I've ever seen any one of those. I have no desire to at all, although some of y'all might, and that's okay. All right? And he's like, no. All right, anyway, and so um, for for the for this month pretty much we're going to be uh doing a a series uh that i've entitled putting the real in reality tv okay all right and so uh today today um is about survivor okay which is probably the most popular one and uh i i wish i would have put this in this the title uh but the real full title today is putting the real in reality tv series daniel as the real survivor so we're going to look at Daniel today. So if you already, if you want to kind of like go to the book of Daniel and be waiting for me, that would uh, be awesome. So I just want to show you a couple, uh, a couple of pictures um, of, of Survivor, right? Because this is what we're focused on today. So we're going to probably do this every week, okay, to kind of like so you see, you can see stuff. Does anybody know what the, who, who this guy is? Jeff Ashley is nodding her head. All right, Jeff, Jeff Probst, P-R-O-B-S-T. Um, he is the, the host of Survivor. Uh, he's also an executive producer now of it. I learned, I, learned uh, I had to do some research on this, okay, and found out that he almost left the show a couple of years ago. Uh, but then they decided to give him a bigger piece of pie, so to speak, and kind of up the ante for him and make it be worth his while to stay, and so he stayed. All right, and so this is Jeff Probst. I'm, gonna, I'm going to share with you some, some very popular quotes of Jeff later. All right. Uh, he actually does a really good job as a, as the uh, as a host. All right. And show a couple more pictures here. These are some some famous survivors. All right. Those who've watched who've seen Survivor, y'all recognize any of them? Guys, come on now. All right. Um, one on the left is Sandra. She's the only two-time winner of, of Survivor. Okay. She never had. Uh, let's see. She never had a boat cast against. Is that what it was? Her name was never written down. Yeah, her name. Her name, in one of her seasons, her name was written, was never written down, like not one time as far as like her being eliminated from the game. Um, and then top right is one of the more popular ones. They called him Boston Rob, all right, because he's a Boston fan, go Red Sox. Um, but uh, and he, he's, he's really good. And then this one down here is Rupert, all right, and people like him, like people like, you know, country folk like myself like him because he just was just a burly guy who just was all loving and had a pretty good character and people just rooted for him because he just seemed like he was an old average old guy you know and then a couple more then these uh these two on the top are like the pretty boy you know long-haired guys but they were like mass they were like really good in challenges like ozzy uh and joe 
Joe might be one of my favorites because he's just a good guy, but he's also really good at challenges. Uh, and so, and then you have uh, Russell, which is the one I don't like the most. He's my <laughs> least favorite one. Uh, but anyway, and so uh, thank you uh, for those pictures. And so, um, we, as we go through today, we're looking at Survivor. We're going to look at Daniel, and my hope is that you know we can look at some minor parallels uh, uh, spiritually um, on each one. So we're e- each week we're going to do a quick little. Um, background of that show, all right, and then we're going to do some minor parallels, and then we're going to look at a a real person, a real person in the Bible that, if they had been in these TV shows, they would have been really good. Like that, like that's the one that you would think of. Like I think of, and I give Sally credit for this and helping me as we as I was preparing for this. Uh, we just felt like Daniel was perfect for survival. Like, he, he is the ultimate survivor. And, and, and so we're going to go through and look at that today. And, and I want you to keep in mind that these are real people. I want you to keep that in mind. Real people. Like, we, we have a tendency to read the Bible. And when you read anything, right, by the time you read anything, you're looking at characters, right? So you read a book, you read a story, you're thinking characters. We don't, let's not, we need to be careful with that. They're not characters. They're, these are people. Real people. Now, of course, unless Jesus is telling a parable, all right, that would be different, okay? But otherwise, in people in the Bible, Daniel was a real flesh and blood person who lived on this earth, and he breathed, and he lived, and he survived some unreal circumstances uh, and gave glory to God and kept his devotion to God. And we can use that as, as encouragement to us that, hey, we can. It is possible for us to do the same thing. Amen? Right? And so uh, the, the main kind of the overarching theme that I'm going to keep going back to is Uh, is the following statement. The ultimate reality is that there is a God who we will answer to one day. Will we be ready? That's the question. And so let me give you just a brief summary. I don't mean to bore you. And and I know, I I understand that some of you have not seen the show. And and, and this is kind of why I'm doing this. Give you a little background so you know a little bit. So when I talk about it later, you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay? All right? And so Survivor is now in its 38th season. 38 seasons. Uh, I think they do two a year. Is that right? They do two a year, so about 19, 20 years on, on uh, about two decades on, on TV, on CBS. Um, outside the United States, there have been other Survivor franchises in 51 different countries. All right. um, in its 19 years on air, Survivor has had 12 people quit the show, and Jeff does not like that at all. All right, The host has some utter disdain for anybody who quits the show. He's like, you got a chance to win a million dollars, and we put you on this show, and you quit. Like he, he, he has a hard time hiding his feelings. All right, whenever somebody quits, all right, uh, he really does not like it at all. Um, and so far, only one person's won the game twice. That was Sandra. Um, and but she said, don't worry, uh, she's not the only survivor to get a cash prize. You get a million dollars for winning it. Uh, everyone gets a certain amount of compensation with people lasting the longest getting the most money. The second place player gets $100,000, which isn't the worst thing to happen to a reality TV loser. All right? Okay, um, the television show, this is kind of what happens in the show. This show places a group of strangers in an isolated location. Okay? Uh, there they must provide food, fire, and shelter for themselves. All right? Um, the contestants compete in challenges for rewards and immunity from elimination. So if they win, they don't get voted out by the other tribe members because the contestants are progressively eliminated from the game as they are voted out by their fellow contestants. 
Okay? So you can build friendships, but eventually you've got to take those people out if you want to be the last person standing. And so uh, until only one remains, and that person is given the title of sole survivor, and they win a million dollars, it is commonly considered the leader of American reality TV. It's also my favorite, so we're starting with it. So, all right. Um, and it was uh, the first highly rated and profitable reality show on uh, broadcast television. It was the first one that really was it hit. It, it, it you know it was a success. Like, oh yeah, this is going to work. All right. Um, and a total, it says a total of 570 contestants have competed on 38 seasons. The motto is outwit, outplay, and outlast. I'm going to say that again. That's going to be in our sermon. In, in, that's going to be the main points today. Okay. All right. Um, and I want to read to you four famous, no, five famous quotes. Actually, six. So I forgot to, to start with this. Um, it, he he says this. Jeff will say this before every reward or immunity challenge. He says, "Here we go. For reward or for immunity, survivors ready? Go." Ashley, you, you, you connecting with me today? Yes. All right. All right. You know what I'm talking about? Or he'll say, "This challenge is on." Right. Um, and while they're doing, and he'll say he'll say this whenever they go to go to um, the uh, immunity. What is it called? To go to to vote people out. What do they call that? Tribal council. They call it tribal council. He says, behind each of you is a torch. Grab a torch and approach the flame. Dip it in and get fire. This is part of the ritual at tribal tribal council because in this game, fire represents your life. And when your fire is gone, so are you. He says that every time. Okay. Um, and he'll say this after they vote. He'll say, I'll go tally the votes, <coughs> which I found out definitely, if you ever watched it, um, it that definitely is staged. All right. Um, they, they actually go through that, and they set it up to make it as, as dramatic as possible based on the votes. So it's not just randomly. So I always wondered that, and yes, that's true. It's not random. They, they do it to make it be real, very dramatic, see who's going to win. Um, and then he'll say this. If anyone has a hidden immunity idol and you'd like to play it, now will be the time to do so. Anybody tracking with me on any of this? Okay. All right. Good. Yeah, see Mr. Murdoch. And then he'll say this. Once the votes are read, the decision is final. The, the person voted out will be asked to leave the tribal council area immediately. I'll read the votes. All right. He'll, he says all those things, right? Okay. Now I'm going to talk about a couple of those later. So again, the ultimate reality is that there is a God who we will answer to one day. Will we be ready? So today... I wanted to go through uh, and, and talk about the gospel. So if you'll put that up for me, ladies in the back. Um, and I just wanted, I just felt like, you know, I don't know if I've done this in a while. I think I've talked about it, but it's been a while. And uh, I think you can put the gospel, and I don't know how great you can see it. I didn't pick a good job of, of picking the background color, but hopefully you can read it. Um, but really, the, the gospel can be divided up, I mean, can be in a nutshell as follows. All right, number one, God created Okay, God created, and and so th- and this game seems uh, seems to be purposely done to show what people will do in social situations. They're put in a particular place to see what plays out. To, the, but the producers have a lot to do with this. They it's like their creation. All right, they set this up the way they want it. Uh, it's just so, uh, and, and uh, they do their best to create a situation where people have to go against each other and see how they they go uh, socially. And and some of the stuff is edited. All right. In fact, like you'll, you'll find out, I learned this as well, uh, or actually you won't find out, I'll tell you now, uh, that, the, uh, that they actually, like those little competitions they have, take hours. And, but like on the show, it's like 10 minutes. But it's, it's really like hours long. And they give, them like a, they, they give them a lot of time to prepare for it. On the show, you're thinking they just learned about it just then, but they've actually been told about it for a couple of hours. Uh, and so um, it, it's, it's pre- pretty interesting. But um, 
like I said, some stuff is edited. They use like dummies or whatever you call them, like people. It's not really them to show pictures. You know, uh, what do you call those? Like body double type people. Yeah, doubles. Yeah, they they do do that. So they create it just the way they want. Mr. Tom, yeah, I know you're excited about seeing this. I can't. I know you're gonna watch it this Wednesday. All right, eight o'clock, brother. All right, set it on DVR. All right, um, and. and and of course, we know as far as as uh, far as the gospel, the gospel goes, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right, God created it just so He wanted it. All right, and that's the first one. Number two, man rebelled. Man rebelled. Okay. Um, the reality is that in life and in the show, people mess up. Amen. People sin. Um, and, and in the show, you can be the silent type. You can kind of go unnoticed and kind of slip, you know, slip by. No one ever really sees you. Or you can be the loud and boisterous type. All right. And you get on people's nerves like Russell Hance, but you still stay on. All right. Because you keep finding immunity idols. Or, or you, can, you can have your, you know, your hustlers, people, man, they're working hard all the time. They're, they're gathering food for people. They're fishing. All right, they're doing whatever they can, or they're looking for immunity idols all the time. You can dominate every challenge. You can do all those things, but I mean, I, I, even though they said Sandra played a perfect game, I, I'm sure she messed up at some point because everybody does mess up at some point. Um, and that, that's one thing that we all have in common. A holy God requires holiness, speaking spiritually. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. And Romans 3, 23 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have sinned. We have all messed up. We have all rebelled in some way. Which brings us to number three. So when we mess up, what do we try to do? Remember you're growing up, you messed up, try to fix it. Try to make it right. Spilled something, i got to clean it up. I wasn't supposed to get that uh, other snack when I was a little kid, and I made a mess, now i got to clean it up, right? And so man tried to make things right. Again, the gospel. God created. Man rebelled. Man tried to make things right. And man, we've tr- uh, men have tried all sorts of ways to get into heaven, haven't they? All, so- all sorts of ways. Um, people in the, in the game, people go to great lengths to save themselves. I mean, they'll, they will lie and cheat like crazy. In fact, that's kind of become the, the nature of the game is who can lie the most. Right? Um, there's a guy, Johnny, what was his name? Johnny something play. Johnny, remember him? He told everybody, he told uh, everybody on the tribe that his grandma died. All the way to the point where the producers of the show called, called home. I found out last week. Uh, called home to check, to, to offer condolences to the, to the family, and, and she was alive. Totally alive. All right. Uh, but, you know, it's gotten to the point where, you know, and that, that part of the game I don't like. I don't like that it's, that it's all this lying and cheating. Um, but don't we do the same thing as, as people on earth? I mean, humans have made much effort since the beginning of time to get to God. Look at all the hundreds of religions that are out there that, that confuse people. And again, like I've said before, they are all man's attempt to get to God. You know, God on the mountain, so to speak. All right, and everybody else is on the foothills of it, on the bottom of it, and all you know, all these other religions are man's attempt to climb up to God. And Christianity is the one where God comes down to us. So He gave His Son Jesus. That's the difference. You know, and it's the main. And it's that simple. I like stuff that's simple because I'm not so smart sometimes. All right, God, I didn't get an amen for that. Thank y'all. All right, for mercy. All right, and grace. All right, but um, that's, that's the difference, is that God come down the mountain to us. Um, again, Romans 5, 6, 6 through 8. For while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were still helpless, 
He died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person. Though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves His own love for us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. In our sinful state, Christ died for us. Amen? Whew, that should be an amen right there. Because there simply is nothing we can do on our own, only through Jesus. Another thing that I found interesting, another little parallel that kind of goes with this, is that um, some quit the show for stupid reasons. Like, you know what I mean? Like you'll watch the show and like, like I said, Jeff hates that. Like, I can't believe you quit the show. You know, uh, we put you on the show and you quit it. It's like stupid reasons why they'll quit. You know, but then other people, man, they'll do whatever. They'll fight tooth and nail not to go home. They'll do whatever it takes to win, you know. And so you see a difference, but isn't that just like it is? Like as us as, uh, in, in this world, spiritually speaking, some people will do, will do good, do good, do good, do good, do right. Come to church, come to church. But then you have others who will just say, yeah, you know, I, I'm just going to party when I get to hell. Or I'll just bust hell wide open. And they'll say it as if it's a joke. So completely different, right? Completely different. But again, man try to make things right. Number four, praise God. I love this part here. God provided Jesus. Right? God provided Jesus in the gospel. We'll get to the message. This is, you know, Miss Tommy said I could preach two sermons a day. So that's what I'm doing. All right? Yes, sir. All right. And uh, number four, God provided Jesus. This was the ultimate sacrifice while we were still sinners. All right. um, and, and while there has been some sacrifice on the on um, the show of Survivor, like some people do give up like their immunity idol for somebody else, they only do it because they're expecting it to get paid back to them later. You know, um, but but this is not the case. God provided Jesus, and all we have to do is accept His replacement, accept that sacrifice. All right, and say, "Yep, not me. I can't make it on my own, but I do accept what Jesus did for me. I accept that." All right, and, and I want to try to live for him after that. Number five, this is what we're here for, for today, right now, is Jesus change, changes his people. And that's where we are. That's one reason why we come to church. That's why we have Wednesday nights. That's why you have your own personal Bible uh, story, uh, study or whatever. Um, we are to grow in holiness. Jesus changes us to be more like him. All right? uh, and to be a people uh, that, that will carry his, his message to those who've never heard it. 1 Peter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the One who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. See, in the game, you, you do see people change somewhat in Survivor. Uh, and, and it's always kind of interesting, interesting to me because I just, I just can see like a cry for Christianity on that show. Because... Jeff makes a big deal, and the producers make a big deal whenever somebody ha- make, says something on. The, every every person has a cam- has a cameraman, by the way. All right, every person, every contestant, and, you know, and they'll talk about how how this game has changed their life for the better. And man, they play this up. They play it up because I think they know that that's what that people want. That people want to see change. But man, we have it every day. Jesus has already Jesus has done it for us. And we can embrace that change every moment of our lives. Amen? And so, um, again, he'll, uh, He changes people. And lastly, Jesus will make all things right again. Revelation 21.5, And the one seated on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. He also said, Right, because these words are faithful and true. See, in Survivor, your life is represented by fire. And if your fire goes out, you're done and you go home. Our fire will go out for each and every one of us. And will we be ready? So the tribe has spoken. God has spoken and it is so. 
And so, man, I'm looking at, wow, I don't have a whole lot of time. I hope you all let, let me go a little past 12 today. Mr. Lord, is that okay? All right. uh, yeah, Mr. Ricky said no, um, but we're going to have to probably. So now we're going to go to Daniel, all right? And let's look at Daniel, all right? And that was just some minor parallels. That part won't be near as long in the future. I hope you remember the gospel. I'm not putting that up every, up every time this, for this series. Um, but let's go ahead and, and take a moment and go to the first part of Daniel, all right? Daniel chapter 1. And again, I think he is the, the really a, a, a very much a real survivor. All right? And we're going to look at outwit, outplay, and outlast. And so if you look at the and we're going to kind of bounce around. We're going to read some of uh, some, some like the first 16 verses of Daniel, but then we're going to kind of jump around. All right? And uh, I will pay attention to the time. And if I have to uh, continue next week, I, I can. Uh, we'll just see how God leads. Is that okay? All right. uh, and so here we go, Daniel chapter one. We all, I do want to read the first, uh, the first eight verse, seven verses, and it will be uh, on the screen as well as we try some different things here right now. Okay, hopefully y'all like it. All right. So Daniel chapter one. In the third year of the reign of King Jehoiakim of Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and laid siege to it. The Lord handed King Jehoiakim of Judah over to him, along with some of the vessels from the house of God. Nebuchadnezzar carried them to the land of Babylon, to the house of his God, and put the vessels in the treasury of his God. The king, Verse 3, The king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and from the nobility, young men without any physical defect, good-looking, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, wisdom, knowledge, excuse me, suitable for instruction in all wisdom, knowledgeable, perceptive, and capable of serving in the king's palace. He was to teach them the Chaldean language and literature. The king assigned them daily provisions from the royal food and from the wine that he drank. They were to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to attend the king. Among them from the Judites were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief eunuch gave them names. He gave the name Belteshazzar to Daniel, Shadrach to Hananiah, Meshach to Mishael, and Abednego to Azariah. Y'all familiar with the story a little bit? Okay, what I want to what, what I want to bring out before we kind of look at more about Daniel um, is that notice that that they not only took um, things from the temple, okay, uh, holy things from the temple, but they also took shining like young stars, so to speak, right? the shining lights uh, of of their of their future. Okay, so he's you know he's a smart king, you know he he knew I got not only do I get their stuff from them. But I'm going to take some of their finest young men, and they're going—they're not going to be Israelites. They're going to—they're going to follow me, and they're so smart, and they're so talented, good-looking, and all that, and they're going to—they're going to be on my side. Okay, I'm going to train them up for three years. Uh, and notice that—that uh, that they change—they change the names. We've talked about this many times. Uh, that names are very important in, in the Bible, um, and I thought this was very very interesting. So, like, uh, notice how they changed the like the meaning of the names went from like being like things about God. Right? Like godly names to pagan names. Um, Daniel means God is my judge. His name was changed to Belteshazzar, which is, means Baal's prince, which is uh, a foreign god. Okay? Um, Hananiah means beloved by the Lord. Shadrach was what his name was changed to, and that means illuminated by a sun god. Again, another pagan god. Um, Mishael meant, uh, meant who, who is as God. And Meshach, which is name, what his name was changed to, means who is like Venus, another pagan god. Um, Azariah meant the Lord is my help, Abednego, servant of uh, the pagan god Nego. So like, 
all names were changed on purpose. Because right? they wanted their identity uh, to, to be changed. They wanted to be total indoctrination in the Babylonian culture. All right? uh, you know, leaving behind the Hebrew God and culture is what they wanted to do to them. All right? uh, and so that was, it was very important. And so you think of like Survivor. Man, could it get any more like it? Daniel is in captivity, right? He's not in, he, he's not in Kansas anymore. Alright? Okay. So he, he is in captivity, all right, uh, there in Babylon, and he's in a foreign land, and he's chosen by the king to be taught their culture for three years. Okay? So he is totally in a different time uh, different place uh, here, and he's gotta survive. And so now he's he's brought to this, and so uh, and again it's very similar to Survivor, all right. Uh, I mean they're given a tribe name and a buff and a bandana for identification. All right. Uh, and so anyway. Let's look, at out, let's look at a little bit of the outwit part. Now, we're going to kind of put all of it kind of together, but outwit. Notice the outwit, the outthinking that Daniel does here in the next section. So if y'all will go with me again in the back, verse 8. Verse 8 in the same chapter, Daniel 1. So Daniel determined that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine he drank. Okay, Because the king had assigned them daily provisions. and say, drink this, this particular food and drink that they were supposed to drink. Okay, but um, Daniel didn't want to do that. So he asked permission from the chief eunuch not to defile himself because he wanted to stay holy. God had granted Daniel kindness and compassion from the chief eunuch. Yet he said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, and I fear Nebuchadnezzar who assigned your food and drink. What if he sees your faces looking thinner than the other young men your age? You would endanger my life with the king. Man, if he sees you looking thinner, not looking silky as the other ones, I'm going to be in trouble. Come on, man. Why, you put me in a bad spot. Now, I like you, but you put me in a bad spot here. You put me in a tough spot. Verse 11. So Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. See how he kind of outwitted them? See the thought there? Just, just test us. Give us 10 days. Give us some veggies, veggies and some water, and, I, and you'll see. Verse 14. He agreed with them about this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, they looked better and healthier than all the young men who were eating the king's food. So the, so the guard continued to remove their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Pretty interesting, right? So Daniel, uh, Daniel definitely outwitted them. It worked. Okay, now uh, let's, let's keep going. All right, verse 17. God gave these four young men knowledge and understanding in every kind of literature and wisdom. All right, so God had given gifts there. They were very talented in that area. Daniel also understood visions and dreams of every kind. But again, I want you to notice in verse 17, God gave these. Okay, God gave those to these men. Okay, uh, and so you know, you people who who uh, like athletes. I told you before how I like how athletes give praise and glory to God because they realize it didn't come from themselves. You know uh, that it came from God. Verse eighteen. At the end of the time that the king had said to present them, the chief eunuch presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king interviewed them, and among all of them, no one was found equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they began to attend the king. And every matter of wisdom and understanding that the king consulted them about, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and mediums in the entire kingdom. Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. And so, um, ten times better. He and his friends were better than any of the others. Not just a little bit better, ten times better. All right? um, and so, now, um, 
to another part of Daniel. All right, if you, we're now going to kind of bounce around a little bit. Looking now in verse two, I mean chapter two, okay, uh, and and we're going to read just the first three verses. In the second year of his reign, still Nebuchadnezzar, okay, had dreams that troubled him, and sleep deserted him. So the king gave orders to summon the magicians, mediums, sorcerers, and Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. When they came and stood before the king, he said to them, I have had a dream, and I'm anxious to understand it. Right. So, like, I, I had a dream last night. Can y'all tell me what it was about? No. Well, by golly, y'all ought to be able to tell me what my dream was. You had a cute that? No. Okay, I did have a dream last night, by the way. I was told I had, I had to teach Spanish. Okay? That was a nightmare. Okay? Uh, but anyway, I really did have a dream last night. Like, I'm not making that up. But, but what I just did was exactly what Nebuchadnezzar said, except he was a king. He's all right. I had a dream. Y'all tell me what it was. And like the people are like, are you, are like, are you insane? Like no one can do that. Let's look at, at, uh, at their responses. Um, I had a dream, all right, and, and I want you to tell me what it was. Um, the king answered in verse, uh, verse 10, okay, about on chapter two, chapter 2. All right, so let's go down a little bit. The Chaldeans answered the king, no one on earth can make known what the king requests. King, nobody on earth can answer your question, okay? Um, Consequently, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked anything like this of any magician, medium, or Chaldean. Not only can we not do it, but no one's even asked us something like this. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? I mean, what the king is asking is so difficult that no one can make it known to him except the gods whose dwelling is not with mortals. So nobody can make known to him what the king requests. Then read with me verse 12. Because of this, the king became violently angry and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. The, the decree was issued that the wise men were to be executed, and they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them because they were considered wise men. They were considered part of that whole package group, okay? All right, now, obviously, we know they were, they, were, they were devoted to God, but they were in that same category. And so because he's mad at them, that included Daniel and his three friends, okay? And so now, talking about surviving, all right, so now he, he already had to, had to survive the whole not want to eat the food he wasn't supposed to eat. He got by that. <laughs> okay, and now here's another situation. Now he's got to deal with this insanely acting king, okay, who says, tell me the dream or I'm going to kill all of y'all. All right, so let's, let's see what, what happens. This is a really tough situation. A whole lot tougher than anything on Survivor. Amen? All right, then Daniel responded with tact and discretion. Verse 14, then Daniel responded with tact and discretion, out, outwit, by the way, to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. He asked Arioch, the king's officer, who, why is this decree from the king so harsh? Then Arioch explained the situation to Daniel. So Daniel went and asked the king to give him some time so that he could give the king the interpretation. Just give me some time, king. He responded with tact and discretion. Let's keep, let's keep reading. Verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter, urging them to ask the God of the heavens for mercy concerning this mystery so Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. So what did he go do? He went and asked for what? Did y'all notice? He, he went and asked for help. He went and asked for prayer. He went to his friends and said, Amen. This is basically an impossible situation. Can you pray for me? And they did. 
That's exactly what happened. He asked for prayer. He asked for prayer. He asked his friends to pray for him, which is obviously a smart thing to do. And guess what? The prayers were answered. So the rest of chapter 2, God reveals to Daniel the mystery and the vision. And then Daniel goes before the king and tells him this dream and the interpretation in the rest of chapter 2. And then you go to the very end of uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 46. Listen to this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell face down, worshipped Daniel, and gave orders to present an offering and incense to him. The king said to Daniel, Your God is indeed God of gods, Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, since you are able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many generous gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief governor over all the wise men of Babylon. Put him in charge of all the wise men. Okay? At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to manage the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. So we've seen some outwitting, some outplaying already, right? Of course, God's doing that through him, but still, all right? Um, and then we go to chapter 3, all right? And again, we're not going to read the whole thing here, but chapter 3 is the story that I'm sure most everybody in here is familiar with, okay? The fiery furnace, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and you know, that, that was some real surviving right there, too, okay? I mean, they survived a real fire right? um, and stayed true to their God and would not worship that statue. And God took care of them anyway and, and, and blessed them through it. Amen. Whew. I get kind of excited about that. And then, um, again, real people. And then chapters 4 and 5. Here's a brief summary of four of chapters 4 and 5. Um, they had another dream. Nebuchadnezzar had another dream. Okay. Um, and, then, uh, and then we have the handwriting on the wall episode. Okay, uh, there, which is which is in chapter five. Okay, so verse four, we had another uh, dream interpreted by uh, a dream by Nebuchadnezzar, interpreted by Daniel, and then chapter five, we have the handwriting on the wall uh, with King Belshazzar, and someone told the king about Daniel being able to interpret it, and he did. Okay, and then that brings us to Daniel chapter six, uh, probably the most famous scene involving Daniel. So, what, which one is it? Daniel and what? Now, Daniel and Elias then. Okay, and Mr. Tommy says I could go to one o'clock. All right, so I'm blaming you, bro. All right, that's good. All right, Daniel six. All right, and then Daniel six is the, probably the most famous one. And and basically, uh, to kind of review quickly, because we are getting close to the end here, um, Daniel was placed as one of the three highest men in the kingdom, all right, other than King Darius himself. This is another king, speaking about lasting. Which we'll talk about that later. And was even better than those men. And the king was basically going to put him over the whole kingdom. You can see that in, the, in verses 2 and 3 in Daniel chapter 6. Others were jealous and wanted to get him in trouble, right? But they, on, but they knew the only thing they could do to get him in trouble was, to, was have to be in connection with the law of, quote, his God, verse 5. And man, that's a whole other sermon. That if, if, if Matt would let me, I, I'd preach this one, all right? Well, I'm not going to, all right? But I do want to say, may that be said about us. May what be said about us, Patrick? To not find any ground of complaint against you except for you and your God. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing to be said about us as Christians? Not, not that we're involved in this, in this scandal or you know, we didn't do that job and we got fired. Or, you know, but that the only complaint somebody can find with us is that we're Christians. Man, may that be said about all of us, and I pray that it can be said about myself. So, verse 9 in chapter 6, they tricked the king into signing a new law that only uh, the only person anyone could pray to would be to King Darius. 
And of course, Daniel prayed anyway, three times, facing Jerusalem. He got caught and was brought before the king who was distraught because he liked Daniel. He liked him. And Daniel was cast through the lion's den but was saved miraculously. Darius was happy and ordered the men who tried to trap Daniel to be cast through the den and they were killed. Them and their family, by the way. And King Darius even made a new law that all the people in his foreign land should tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. That's in chapter, verse 26. What an amazing story of, of outwitting and outplaying and outlasting. Just as kind of a, a the other motto of, of survivor. Did you notice how many kings Daniel lived, Daniel lived through? I think in my count it's four. Now there's some debate on, on whether one of them is just another name for one of the other ones. Okay, Three or four kings is pretty amazing if you ask me. Uh, he outlasted Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and then it says in uh, verse, chapter 6, verse 28, that he, uh, he prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. That's another one. So talk about a real survivor. He was given wisdom and knowledge by God to work out seemingly impossible situations, and he made it. He was a true survivor because of who he put his trust in. Amen? Which brings us to the, to the last part here. The ultimate reality is that there is a God who we will answer to. Will we be ready? See, the TV show, while popular and pretty fun show to watch, it, it's just that. It's just entertainment. You and I have a real life to live with real choices to make every day. Amen? There are two things, and I'm read, I read these two things earlier, but I just want to kind of focus on them, share, share some verses with you as, as we wrap up today. Two things that Jeff says at the end of each episode at Tribal Council. The first one is this. If anyone has a hidden immunity idol and you'd like to play it, now will be the time to do so. See, a hidden immunity idol is something that they found on their own, searching for or something they earned. Um, actually, they earned it. You know, hidden is something they found on their own, and it, and it keeps them in the game. Uh, it keeps them in there, but, you know... They did it on their own, right? I mean, they had to do the work. But listen to Romans chapter 3, verse 10, to, 10 through 12. As it's written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Even And, and the Bible talks about our righteous deeds being filthy rags. Right? There's nothing we can do. Right? And, and so basically, Jesus is our hidden immunity idol, basically speaking. He, he is our immunity. He is our substitute. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Whew, I don't know about you, but I said praise God for that one. And the, and the second thing he says is this, Once the votes are read, the decision is final. The person voted out will be asked to leave the tribal council area immediately. I'll read the votes. At the end of your life, the decision is final. Is heaven or hell? You have to answer on your own. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 10 says, So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home in the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what He has done in the body, whether good or evil. Will we continue to trust ourselves and see our torch snuffed out? Or will we trust in the source of that fire and all things, Jesus Christ, and be a real survivor in the end? 
And not only that, but to carry it to other people. Um, because, you know, a million dollars sounds nice, but it's nothing compared to a home in heaven. Amen? And so, uh, in that same Scripture, in the very next verse, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11 says, Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. We try to persuade people. That's my charge to us today, to, to tell somebody about it. Because I feel like most everybody in here has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe everybody does. So as I ask Mr. Lewis to come up and we close out, I have one more verse to share with you. They'll put it up for me. One of the things that happens and that I haven't talked about yet um, is, is something called blindsides. So if you give me just a minute. Uh, y'all know about blindsides? You watch yourself? It's pretty interesting. Basically, people go to tribal council thinking they're safe, you know, but other people have kind of conspired against them. To vote them out without them knowing it. So they didn't know they were going home. And, and like some people will bring their bags and stuff that they brought with them to the, uh, to the game. They'll bring it with them to tribal council because they think you might be going home. Most of the times the blind sides, they don't even have their stuff with them because they, they thought they were good. They thought they were good. Well, we look at what's on the screen here. 1 John 5, 12-13. See, there's no blind sides when it comes to Christianity on whether you have a home in heaven or not. 1 John 5, 12-13, The one who has a son has life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know. There's no blind sides. All right? You either have Jesus or you don't, guys. Because that's, then when you get before Him, it's going to be, you know, that's the only thing they're going to work, that's going to be concerned about is do you have Jesus? So do you have Him? If you, have, if you don't, I encourage you to make that decision today as we sing. Page 312.